Welcome to the second episode of the Herbert Smith Freehills Corporate Crime and Investigations podcast. Today, we're going to be discussing Dawn Raids. Dawn Raids have long been a key tool in the armory of law enforcement agencies and regulators. These bodies are given powers by the state to enter private property to seize evidence that might be relevant to the matters they are investigating. Prospects of raids tend to give GCs sleepless nights. They can happen anywhere in the world without notice and can cause havoc and disruption to the business. So how should you best prepare for them and how best to deal with them when they arise? Today, I'm joined by two colleagues from the global HSF corporate crime and investigations team, Brian Spiro, who's a partner in the London team, and Cameron Dunson-Smith, a partner in our Johannesburg office. Uh, Welcome both. Both Brian and Cam have uh, plenty of experience in dealing with dorm raids, and hopefully we can have an interesting discussion today uh, with a few war stories uh, thrown in. Brian, Cam, welcome. Brian, could you just, before we start, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your career to date? Sure. So I have spent my entire career really in criminal defence work, initially doing conventional criminal work uh, at a um, litigation boutique, and then moved across uh, about 15, 20 years ago into financial corporate crime, uh, white collar crime, um, and uh, continue to do uh, criminal defense work in that space, uh, but also do a lot of investigation work for for corporate clients of Herbert Smith Freehills and uh, general advisory work within the corporate crime and investigations field. Great, thanks, Brian. And uh, Cam, would you like to say a few words? Sure, thanks, um, Rob. I'm uh, I've been a investigations lawyer for about the last seventeen years. I after I qualified as a, a sort of typical litigation lawyer, I joined one of the big four audit firms in their forensic practice for about four years, uh, and then moved across uh, into an investigations space back in a law firm. And I'm based in South Africa. I've travelled all over Africa conducting investigations. I've I've lived in the US, um, lived in in, the, in Europe as well. Um, in at various stages of my career, but sort of always been in the investigation space, both from a you know internal investigations for, for corporates, um, but also assisting regulators at time um, at times, and also uh, defending corporates who've been prosecuted for for uh, corruption, etc. So a pretty widespread and I guess similar sort of background to Brian in that regard. Great. And we're going to try and give a sort of global perspective on dawn raids today. Um, Cam, as you mentioned, I think most of your experience of dawn raids has been in Africa. Uh, Brian in, in the UK. Um, I was myself based, uh, I'm based in London now, but uh, was based in um, Hong Kong for uh, nearly nine years. And um, most of my experience of, of dawn raids from the authorities uh, was um, when I was in Hong Kong. So it'd be interesting to, to sort of discuss how um, uh, uh, to discuss our, our different experiences of uh, those types of situations. Um, Brian, starting with you, why is it important for clients to be prepared for dawn raids? Well, uh, the very nature of a dawn raid is it is a surprise, unannounced uh, intervention by a prosecuting authority or regulatory or investigating authority. And the very nature of a dawn raid is to to take you, the corporate entity, by surprise. So you have no opportunity to uh, conceal evidence or destroy evidence. Um, So um, you're not going to know about a dawn raid. 
But what you can do is is be prepared for a dawn raid, and I'm sure that will be a major focus of our discussions today. Um, so um, you 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 don't know a dawn raid is coming, but you what you can do is be prepared in the event that a dawn raid uh, uh, is uh, brought about, and you suddenly find your offices uh, at six o'clock in the morning, seven o'clock in the morning, being visited by the authorities. You can be prepared and should be prepared in advance for that uh, eventuality. Yeah, and I, I think it's um, an obvious point, but these raids can be extremely stressful uh, for those involved in them and extremely disruptive for the for the business. Um, uh, quite often, authorities will ca- will carry out raids on multiple premises, so they may be raiding. The, co- the company's office, but they may also be raiding the homes of uh, individual suspects at the same time. Um, it can be really difficult to to get a handle on what's going on. Yeah, all in all, best to be as prepared as you can. Absolutely, and and, and the thing that uh, there's there's a, there's a whole number of issues which I'm sure we'll be discussing, but one of them is that a dawn raid potentially is going to affect everyone in the building. Uh, starting with your reception staff, who are usually the first point of contact, because if uh, if the police or serious fraud office or tax inspectors are, are, are conducting a dawn raid, their first point of contact is going to be with your reception staff. Uh, and when we talk about training, it's training from reception staff throughout the rest of the office. Your, 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 your IT people are going to be involved. Obviously, your legal uh, function uh, is going to be probably the, the main interface. Uh, they need to be involved, uh, all managers, all custodians of documents and so on. So it really is the entire building and everyone within that building who potentially is going to be affected by this dawn raid. And when we talk about training, we are covering everything from uh, the legal implications, your legal remedies, but right through to how your reception will conduct themselves and what they need to do when they uh, look up from their reception desk to see uh, a police officer with a warrant. And it, and it almost sort of goes against everyone's instincts, right? When it, it, it when taken by surprise from a receptionist through to someone in accounts or someone in the HR who's being asked to turn over material, um, you know, their instincts are to protect the organization, to not let people come in who aren't employees, to, to protect comp- client confidential information or or sensitive personal information. Then all of a sudden they're being asked to hand all of this stuff over. So, uh, again, that's it's it, it it's stressful for people to be put into in that position. Um, and as you say, best to be prepared to know that this might happen and to you know, work through as best you can the, the types of scenarios that, that might unfold. Um, Cam, um, could you just sort of give us a, a general flavour of the types of bodies who have the power to conduct dawn raids? Sure. So I, mean, I think we've alluded to a couple um, already, you know, in this conversation, but it's typically your law enforcement bodies or agencies within a law, law enforcement body. So in the police, there might be a specialised commercial crime division, uh, or you know the SFO, uh, which is more of a prosecutorial kind of regulatory body. Um, and then you've got other regulatory bodies who are not necessarily law enforcement, but still have you know, broad, overarching powers and, and are 
can obtain the ability to conduct raids either through court orders or empowered through statute. So something like the banking supervision body in South Africa would be an example. The competition authority in, in most countries would be a kind of typical um, a typical candidate for, for conducting raids because of the type, the nature of competition investigations, tax authorities, as, as Brian mentioned. So those are your typical kind of, it's either a regulator or a um, or law enforcement sort of prosecutorial um, body. Um, that said, there are civil mechanisms like an Anton Pillar, which I believe they have in the UK and, and we have in South Africa as well, which is uh, executed in a similar fashion to a raid or although it's usually done by a, in, a, in a civil process by, by a law firm. Great, thanks, Cam. And let, let's just go on to now the, um, the, the, the golden rules of dealing with a raid, uh, the do's and don'ts, some sort of practical guidance for, 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 for people listening. Um, Brian, do you want to start with maybe the, the do's? And yeah, the do's. And take the, don'ts. <laughs> the do's and don'ts. The do's. Um, well, firstly, and we've mentioned it, the, the first and I would say by far the most important do is is be prepared. And, and we've talked about that. You can uh, be prepared by uh, training your staff, which I would say is a must, um, possibly having a dawn raid manual um, or particular cue cards for uh, individuals. For example, recently um, with a client I was uh, uh, giving some training to, we prepared some cue cards for reception that had key telephone numbers and contact numbers and do's and don'ts written on the card uh, as an aid memoir uh, coming out of the training that we gave them. Um, you can even, as a do in, in the context of training, have a, a, a mock dawn raid. Uh, some of our clients have asked us to, to conduct a mock dawn raid uh, to give a very practical uh, piece of training. Um, beyond that, when a dawn raid itself is happening, uh, I would say the most important do is to is to be courteous to those conducting the raid, um, being uh, overtly and inappropriately obstructive. It's not going to help. I'm, I'm straying into the don'ts now, but the, the do's and don'ts are intertwined. So uh, be courteous. And, uh, and, and I would say that includes being appropriately cooperative. Um, if I give an example, uh, a dawn raid I did a, a few years back, there was a safe in the office and uh, the, uh, the uh, serious fraud office conducting the raid wanted to know what was in the safe. Everyone claimed ignorance. Um, uh, there were some suspicions as to whether they were truly ignorant. Uh, they were then asked for the keys of the safe. Again, everyone pleaded ignorance. Um, and so ultimately, uh, the uh, serious fraud office brought in some professional safe crackers who basically blew the safe uh, to find uh, a petty cash box with about £20 and a rather stale old sandwich in it. Um, and that did, you know, that just created a bad atmosphere between. Uh, those conducting the raid uh, and, and, and the client, it was seen as being uncooperative, unhelpful, um, and did not lead to a um, cooperative approach. I, I stress appropriately, and we'll come to warrants in terms of warrants, but just being awkward and difficult is not going to help you. Uh, so that's yeah. to do. Yeah, no, I agree. And certainly from some of my experience of dealing with these issues in, in Hong Kong, it's not always easy, but the extent that you can try to develop 
some sort of rapport with um, the chief investigating officer uh, who's, who's heading the raid to have a sort of single point of contact that you're dealing with because they may well have a team on the ground with who's sort of doing different things. But to establish who's in charge and to try and work out as best you can what they're looking for and why, I think is really yeah. helpful. Um, and the, 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 other, of, the other thing which, yeah. which I should mention, Rob, sorry, and, 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 and I was talking initially about the do's in a sense from the client's point of view. Um, obviously, the, the do's include um, contacting your external counsel as soon as possible. And that's all part of what uh, reception and, and your in-house counsel are going to be uh, trained to do. Um, and then uh, for uh, you, the client, together with your external counsel and your internal counsel, to um, examine the warrant as an absolute priority to ensure you understand the terms of the warrant, to check uh, as best you can on the spot that the warrant has been validly granted, and then to ensure that everything that follows thereafter is in accordance with the terms of the warrant, because it's the warrant that's going to specify what the uh, powers of those conducting the raid are, what documents they are entitled to take, um, and, and really set the roadmap for everything that's going to happen over the next few hours or however long the raid takes. And Brian, what are the risks if if you don't check the warrant properly? Um... Well, you're not you're not going to be in a position to to challenge what potentially is an unlawful seizure. Um, as I say, the warrant so some warrants are very uh, particularised and quite specifically drawn. Some are much more general. Um, but one of the jobs um, of uh, your external counsel will be to ensure as best you can, because remember, this is very much um, a hotspot event on the day. Uh, there's no time for detailed legal analysis. But it, if they are seeking, for example, to seize uh, personnel records from the HR department um, and those records are not covered by the warrant, you need to be in a position to appropriately, politely, but assertively say to those, I'm sorry, officer, those folders, those documents are not covered by the warrant and should not be seized. Yeah, yeah, great. Cam, Cam just turning to some of the don'ts, what are the, um, uh, what are the things that, that clients should avoid uh, in these types of situations? I think the first thing is, um, you know, it's a, it's a very invasive process. So my first piece of advice would be don't let them in uh, until you're absolutely ready to do so. And that sort of ties in with what Brian was saying about making sure that, you know, as you said, it's generally some awful time early in the morning before anyone senior is at the office and there's skeleton staff there, your external counsel probably under their office yet. So be polite don't antagonize them, but don't let them in until you're ready, until you've had time to scrutinize the warrant to get your external counsel uh, to the office um, or to the premises to make sure that it can be handled properly and appropriately. Um, you know, so don't hand away anything because I think it's far harder to get it back uh, once it's been given over than uh, it is to, to say just wait 45 minutes until someone uh, set a proper chance to look at this. So that would be my uh, my first piece of advice is don't panic. You know, it's very invasive. It's a it's a big step that the authorities are taking. So you're within your rights to to take as much time as 
is appropriate without being obstructive, uh, to make sure that you're doing everything by the letter of the law and generally by the letter of the warrant, as Brian said, because, um, you know, as I said, it's harder to put the genie back in the bottle. Once someone's personal phone has been taken or something, it's harder to say, oh, well, you can't use that information, uh, for example. So that would be my, my sort of overarching piece of advice is don't, don't rush, um, you know, don't, don't do anything. Don't, and the other piece of advice would be don't, uh, don't leave anyone unaccompanied. Um, you know, as a, a kind of a, a general rule, if there's 10 people coming into your premises who are going to be looking around your office, it should be at least 10 people on your team so that one person can be with each of the people that is uh, rummaging around your premises. Um, so that would be the other sort of golden rule is don't let them um, out on their own uh, because that could also lead to challenges about legitimacy of the process or how evidence was found, how it was pointed out. Um, and so those are the kind of, I guess, ground rules that I would say are your, your two big don'ts. Great. Thanks, Cam. And yeah, part of it is just trying to get bring order to the chaos, right, in these types of situations, because by the very nature, you haven't had any notice that this is happening. Um, in one raid that I dealt with, there were sort of 30 officers um, the client was trying to give a presentation to clients on one floor and all of these officers in the lobby. Um, and uh, there are all of a sudden there's people just going everywhere to different departments, warning different things, trying to interview people. It's just, it, it, it's, it can be quite crazy. And trying to just work out who, what, what they want, who, which team is allocated to get which you know, to, to go to which department, how it's all going to work, and, and trying to make sure that there is someone with e with each person with with um, each group of of investigators is half the battle, I think. Um, and then and, and then d developing that dialogue so that you can give them some sort of assurances, because at the end of the day, you know, quite often it obviously depends in, on the circumstances where you are in the world, but these big raids will have been planned for quite some time. Um, and um, the uh, one thing I think to bear in mind is that often the, the investigators are quite nervous, right? They don't want this to go wrong. They have their job to do. Um, they will have gone through a whole process and a lot of hard work to get all of this signed off, um, probably at the top levels, because, you know, as you say, they are quite in intrusive uh, they, they're generally going to have to, you know, show that the 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 steps they're taking are reasonable and proportionate, and that the evidence couldn't be obtained by um, less uh, uh, intrusive means, and that that's all quite a big deal. And at the end of the day, they don't want to be judicially reviewed. They don't want to be go back to the office empty-handed. They don't want to have um, let anyone tipped anyone off, such that documents and materials being destroyed. So that's sort of their the, the, where they're coming from on it and to the extent that you can sort of give them some sort of reassurance that you understand where they're coming from that um you know that that you 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 want to help but you obviously need to protect the organization you also have a job to do to make sure that everything's being done properly um can tend to help to sort of lower the temperature a bit and and hopefully uh make things run a, a little bit more smoothly in my experience um but Brian, just coming back to, you've done a number of raids. Can you just give us some examples of some of the sort of issues that have arisen during a raid and, and how they've been handled? Yeah, 
I, I would put the issues um, probably into two buckets. There's, there's, there's the legal issues, um, and, and we can come to those, but, but also there's very practical issues. Uh, maybe I'll address, address those uh, first, first of all. Um, this is, I mean, this is crisis management. This is the state uh, um, with a court order uh, effectively forcing entry into your premises. Uh, with power to seize material. Now, in terms of practical problems, there may well be a um, public relations issue here, uh, depending on the profile of the organisation, depending on whether the media get wise to what's happening. And of course, in this day and age, with you know, everyone has a camera in their pockets and people see activity on the streets and police vans, you know, there's every chance there's going to be videos filmed and it's going to be appearing on TikTok or, or YouTube or whatever, and the media are going to pick up on it. So you have a PR issue. Uh, and again, part of preparation is to know in advance you know, who, who, who's going to deal with the PR. Is it going to be internal? Do you have external PR people? So there's going to be that issue that will need to be addressed immediately because this may be hitting uh, the media immediately. There's also very practical issues about the ongoing running of your business. Uh, this used to be a much bigger problem when uh, I'm old enough to remember when uh, data, uh, the only answer of the, the authorities saw it was to take your server physically out of the building in order to examine it over the next few weeks. And, and, and we had massive problems with clients who basically couldn't operate their business because they didn't have their server. Fortunately, Technology's moved on. You now have the ability to to image the server, and certainly one of one of, one of the jobs of your legal advisors is to ensure that that is done in the most efficient, effective, and expeditious way. So your uh, ongoing legitimate business, uh, the adverse impact is kept to a minimum. So there's these very uh, real issues that are all part of uh, the job that has to be dealt with on the day. Uh, in addition to, of course, to to, to legal issues and 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 uh, and maybe maybe Cam, you can talk a little bit about some of the LPP and those sort of issues as well. Yes, I think you know obviously, as you mentioned, they may take image your entire server, and generally, I mean, it's unlikely that a a corporation would be raided um, to look at the the entire business operation, it generally be some specific conduct that's at stake. And that is the kind of cause of the, the issue that's being looked at. Um, and so you would need to make sure that they're not, they don't have access to things which do not belong to them underneath that warrant or, you know, that, that court order, whatever it may be. And that's part of, as you say, the crisis management, sorting out what should be privileged, what, um, you know, belongs to other parties that are not related to the subject of the warrant, et cetera. And that is really where you know it gets quite difficult, and and it's even more important to be so certain up front that only what is being taken uh, is relevant, and it's not broader than than it needs to be. So, um, I think from a, a risk perspective, that's huge in terms of managing a raid um, when it happens. Then you've got to have people who are aware of this particular issue. So if it is, as you say, you know, the warrant says we want to look at XYZ issue, uh, to the extent you can only allow them to 
image that part of the server and get technical people in to assist with that type of issue would obviously help mitigate the risk that you'll be exposed to, you know, once everything is gone. Um, so I think that is, you know, part of the, and it's difficult, right? As you said, Brian, it's a, it's a fast moving um, thing. Everything's happening. At, there's other things happening at the same time. And so it's difficult to kind of see the wood for the trees in these sorts of situations. So you really have to keep a cool head. Cool, cool, cool heads are vital. Um, I mean, the other thing, I mean, there's almost an endless list, Rob, of, of things, that, issues that can crop up and, and, and how they, they are dealt with. So another one, for example, is um, you, you want to ensure that the raid for the seizure of documents and evidence does not become uh, a, a, an interview process. And it's very tempting for investigating officers when uh, initially asking uh, maybe your uh, finance officer where finance records are kept to start moving into a, a quasi-interview about what the finance records show um, and, and so on. And again, it's very important that uh, you as uh, the, the lawyer acting for the client ensures that that sort of mission creep does not develop because this, this is a raid for material this is not an interview process interviews may be needed uh, but if they're going to be needed they should be conducted properly in the appropriate manner not sort of tagged on to uh, a dawn raid so that's but one more example of a, a sort of issue that, that can arise and has to be dealt with yeah, absolutely. And Brian, what's, so what would be your tip, for example, if, um, you know, uh, investigators goes into an executive's office, opens a cupboard, there's a whole load of files there, and they just sort of put them all into, uh, it, all into a crate. Um, to, we, and, you know, there's a concern that no one's, the legal advisors or no, no one assisting has had a chance to review they don't know whether or not there's any there could be privileged memos in there from um relating to the issue or relating to something else um do, do they have what would you go through all of the uh, material with yeah, the investigators no. there or how does that work no but no it has to be a proportionate and pragmatic approach to what is happening. If there's one file with a dozen pages in and there's an issue as to whether or not it's covered by the warrant, then it is practical for, for you to have a quick look at the papers. And then if you think that they are irrelevant, uh, say so, or if you think they're privileged, they say so. But, but using your example of a entire cabinet full of uh, files that's is simply not practical so you need to you need to understand from your client if for example these files contain legal advice legal notes uh, emails to and from your your lawyers that of course gives rise to the real concern that this is uh, privileged material and then one needs to make that clear to the investigators and uh, be interested to hear from cam about the process in South Africa, but certainly in UK, there is now a recognised protocol that if privilege is claimed, you're not going to decide privilege there and then. So you do what we call black bag. The, the material is put in, in uh, opaque black bags and sealed for subsequent determination, possibly by independent counsel as to whether or not there is privileged material. And that's, that's, that's how it's dealt with on the day. Um, because, of course, yeah. the ultimate uh, decisions are going to take quite a lot of time 
uh, and, 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 and are not going to be decided upon on the, on the day. And how would that work with, for example, if they, it, it, electronic materials? So if they've taken um, an image of the of the server or part of the server, yeah. and again, you're not going to have really know whether or not there might be privileged material in there. What what yeah. would you generally do? In well, it's, just, it's the same point. Almost certainly, there is going to be privileged material on the server, uh, and you need to assert your privilege immediately. Um, it's not going to stop them imaging it, but it's going to delay their examination of it because uh, they, they, the warrant will allow them to image it because, of course, you can't uh, separate uh, data uh, from privilege, non-privilege um, uh, in this situation. So the authorities, assuming the warrant allows them to, will allow them to, to seize it or take an image of it. And then again, uh, it's for another day and protocols are there and protocols can be agreed as to how uh, the, the image is actually examined to ensure your privilege is protected. Great. Cam, is that, is that how it works in South Africa as well? Yeah, there's similar mechanisms for, you know, safeguarding privilege. Um, you know, the one thing I'd, I'd add to that is that um, it's important as well from your own side to make sure that you're keeping accurate notes and recording exactly what's happening. Um, because if you do want to challenge how a piece of material got into the hands of, of the authorities or a third party, you'd want to have a record of exactly how that particular file was picked up and which office it was, office it was sitting when it was picked up or you know that, that part of the server. You'd want to you know, raise a note or an objection at the time and record that. Um, so it's very important that for exactly these reasons, so when you're having a debate or a, um, you know, an, a fight about privilege or, or documents that shouldn't have been handed over uh, at the time of the raid, that you have recorded it and stated your objection at the time and you know, recorded your objection or, or your note or say, I'm going to be challenging this just so you know that you've taken our entire server, not the entire server is relevant, and I want you to know for the record. So it's very important that you are pretty fastidious when it comes to your own, you know, don't just be a passive observer. You've got to uh, make sure you're keeping an accurate eye on what's going on. Yeah. And, and in my experience, many common law, most common law jurisdictions, you know, respect privilege. Um, investigators don't want to get into a fight about that during a raid. Uh, there are processes for that. Um, but of course, there you, you know companies may be raided in countries where there is no privilege protection, um, uh, and where the concept of privilege doesn't exist. And so it's important, you know, when 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 clients are um, thinking about their global dawn raid procedures, to bear that in mind, and to bear that in those particular countries, the investigators will take everything, and there will be far less uh, in terms of um, protections in terms of privilege or or scope. Um, so they just need to be careful as to what's stored in the office. Um, I think that's pretty much all we've got time for now, but I just have one final question, um, maybe for you, Brian. Sometimes, you know, we, you're doing an, working on an internal investigation with a client. You know that there may be a self-report in the offing. There might be a whistleblower out there. Clients are getting nervous about dawn raids. We get asked the question, is there something, anything we can do to stop a dawn raid happening? Because it's the ultimate nightmare, reputationally, it's disruptive. Is there anything we can do to stop it happening? There, there, there is one thing that um, I have done, and, and I know others do, that can potentially prevent a dawn raid. 
and that's where, as you say, Rob, you 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 have you you have reason to believe that the authorities are interested in you. Um, if you have that reason to believe, then you can preemptively reach out to the authorities, um, uh, usually by way of letter. Um, uh, through external counsel uh, or, or, or internal to, to say, look, we, in effect, you're saying we, we understand you may be investigating us. Uh, if you are um, and you want documentation, let us know. We'll assist you um, and go on to say. But if if you are applying or thinking of applying for a warrant, will you please show this letter to the judge? What that letter is effectively doing is saying initially to the authorities and then on to the court if they are applying for it, look, we know that there's a possibility of a dawn raid. And if it, the object of a dawn raid is to take us by surprise, you're not going to take us by surprise. And therefore is an argument against a warrant being issued. It's a sort of preemptive stride to try and undermine the major plank as to why a warrant would be uh, would be granted, because you're saying to the to, to, to the authority and the court, we know this is a possibility, we know this might happen. So if your allegation is you need to do it by surprise to prevent us interfering with uh, documentary material, well, we're already on notice. So that's the one thing that, that I yeah. know can work. Great. Thanks very much. Well, I think that's all we've got time for today. But uh, thank you, listeners, for joining us. And we hope you found that um, debate interesting. Um, if anyone uh, needs any help on Dawn Raids, we regularly um, advise clients on Dawn Raid protocols and policies. And um, uh, in and we, we do all sorts of training and um, even mock dawn raids so please don't hesitate to get in touch let us know if you have any feedback on this or any of the other podcasts in the series and um, we will see you next time for the next episode where we will be discussing data issues in investigations